Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to the SickCast. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thank you for being with us today. Today we have a special topic and a very timely topic that we want to talk about, and that is the Black Lives Matter and the movement along with it. And today with me to talk about it, I have Harinder Singh. Harinder Singh, welcome back to the podcast. Guru Fateh. Guru Fateh. Harinder Singh, you are a senior fellow research and policy person at the Sikh Research Institute. And what's even better is that I have you on here today is that you worked on a bipartisan commission on prison reform back in 2011 when it wasn't even popular. And now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon today. So it's great to have you on this podcast. Uh, let's talk about this movement of Black Lives Matter. And I think it reached a tipping point. I think the global outrage that we are seeing, like there are crowds that I have not seen, you know, um, around the world, knocking over statues of enslaved traders in other countries. I mean, this movement has, is really catching on. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the movement. What do you think ignited this? What, what do you think was George Floyd? Why was George Floyd the tipping point? Sure. You know, my daughter actually even asked me this yesterday when I was taking her for one of her gymnastics class. And she says, you know, this has been going on, but what happened now with George Floyd? I said, Uttar, basically what happened is there comes a point when people say enough is enough. It's not that it wasn't happening before. People just said, you know, now they had to watch it for almost nine minutes, how people who are supposed to protect and to serve, you know, are actually the ones who are in a very reprehensible way, uh, allowing, not allowing this to happen, but are actually doing it themselves. So when you're forced to watch it for nine minutes and you see that this keeps happening, that there is a system to this, what I, what I mean by system is that you have a data which is very clear that this is widespread, you know, from East Coast to West Coast and everything in between. This is available to us in what in America we call red and blue states. This is very clearly seen from when it starts. When it starts, what we are seeing right now is a police brutality element. But it actually goes through who gets investigated, who gets imprisoned before investigations for how long, and then what the court systems do with it. And once they are serving in prison, who gets relieved earlier, who is even eligible for uh, leaving those things uh, from prison. So it actually is a large journey of what is happening with incarcerations in America as well. And what we are seeing right now is when uh, the not only the, the black community, but also the brown community, and now the white community of establishment, when the former presidents join in, when the former defense secretaries join in, when the former um, military chiefs and the current serving military chiefs join in, and when, uh, uh, so essentially, now this is, there's only one question, how much change will really occur? That's the real question, how much structural change will really occur? But what brought this about is that enough is enough. We have had many deaths before, but now the consciousness, uh, including of not just white consciousness, but also people listening to the black community is happening now as well. And all shades of listening to black community are happening, not just one we are who are saying, let's do this or let's do this. You know, so 
the, the, there are more people listening to them. There are more people who are unafraid to talk about it. And now it has become much more than BLM. It has actually become this consciousness of class and and caste, as it's called on the South Asian uh, continent. So, you know, for, and then now imported globally. This is because books have been written in America about that, how this, the new Jim Crow laws are the new caste system in America. So, this is why it has now shook up the global consciousness. It eventually transcends race in America to all the inequalities which are based on race as well as the class struggle. So let's expand upon that because this is the sick cast. So let's talk about how I grew up. I grew up uh, in a Punjabi-speaking family, watching Bollywood films, and you know, and I want to say even Punjabi songs. There's so many Punjabi songs, you know, Gora Hega, Gora Rang, Gora This. There are uh, Bollywood movies uh, portraying uh, the Gora Rang. There's Bollywood celebrities now. Um, you know, uh, I, when I was in India watching ads uh, promoting fairness cream, you know, fair and lovely cream. And so now Bollywood uh, actors are saying Black Lives Matter. And we, we all know the hypocrisy. We all know it in our Punjabi community and the South Asian community, which you alluded to. So what do you think, <laughs> I mean, uh, what do you think about the hypocrisy and what, what is our challenge now with it? Because you've, I've heard you even say it at a marriage, at a marriage retreat uh, at Sikri, um, saying, ha ha, see that, and everything is good, but you will act differently. So how do we deal with the hypocrisy in our community, in the Punjabi community and maybe even the larger South Asian community? So, I mean, that answer is also very clear. You know, it is very easy for me to tweet something today when I am not going to address it in my behavior because at some point, uh, people join the bandwagon. And I think there is a little bit more to it though. So that we understand that piece. I think the second piece is, at some point, all our consciousness get pricked as well. And when you, then you might be moved to do certain things. And when you are moved to do certain things, the very first thing you get to do is voice it, even though you yourself are a conflicted individual. It's okay. We are all conflicted people. But when you are in conflict, you still recognize, you know what? This is not right. So the, the way to deal with hypocrisy is to first acknowledge it. Secondly, also see that within your influence, within the circles you're operating in, how is that playing out? Because the circumstances will be different. The color skin, which is what you refer, uh, uh, were citing earlier, color of skin is very much an issue in the Bollywood, in the Punjabi, in the South Asian community, where anti-blackness has particular meaning right now in America, but anti-blackness has a very specific meaning in South Asia because uh, you are always looking to become fairer in your skin color because black is not considered beautiful in South Asian traditions. And it's very interesting. I'll bring Gurbani into this. You know, there is a Shabad in Gurbani where it says, Kali koel tu kitgun kali. You know, so the koel, the, uh, the, the singing bird as we call it, right? And actually in Gurbani, when it is being invoked, uh, the second part of that is because people are looking at the color. But when they listen to her, when they listen to her singing, 
that's when they discover why is it black and there you know the idea of you're talking about the blackness is beautiful don't just look at the color part from external anger because it says apne pritam ke ho birha jali that i have been burnt you know this idea of burnt being played here in a different way in a positive way so i would say i think the punjabis and south asians really need to look at yes while we definitely need much more allyship of south asian community which does not exist with the with the black community in america at the same time within their own households within their community gatherings within the punjabi and south asian circles including in bollywoods they really need to look at how uh, the white chamdi or the white skin is not the only beautiful answer because everyone else is made to feel somehow there's something less and if your consciousness right now is awakened wonderful let's also apply that to how we differentiate within the south asian community sikh community punjabi community based on the color of the skin or the shade of the color of the skin now you know i'm very happy to see some pictures of sikh standing and protesting and marching with the black lives uh, matter protesters and it's and it's great to see cuz i've heard your um lectures before where we should be on wall street uh, occupy wall street movement there were no sikhs there and even 2 years ago there wouldn't be any sikhs there but this global outrage is really is really great and it's bringing sikhs out and uh, share your thoughts on why sikhs need to stand uh with this movement sikhs uh, sikhs need to go out there and protest and maybe what else how can we take this a step further instead of just protesting cuz i know another line you say you know the protest is the beginning this is not the end that's right and i think this is where we need to introduce the sikh idea of a protest as well while we will join because this at the we don't get to define the black lives movement and the related protest movements but we do can add to it to deliver certain things and we used to we have a word in punjabi we have a word called morcha and this is the word which has been used by sikhs in early 20th centuries onward very explicitly which by the way the left community of india of south asia adopted they adopted the word morcha and jatha from the sikh community and we were very clear about our protests which are basically protests they are movements and what was that idea that the end result is articulated so well and this protest will not stop until that end result is achieved and i'm going to bring two angles to it now first angle is six themselves have lost this idea because now they start a morcha but our morchas end without end result because certain false promises given or certain langar is done or certain akhand per akhand part is done or certain samagam is done that is not how the morcha is supposed to end we are following, you know we have been commemorating 84 you know how that ended it ended with shahadat until the demands are met that's the only other alternative so similarly the protests they need to have a end and black lives movement and associated movements now they're basically asking to rethink what does it mean to safeguard our communities is police department the way currently is established is it the only way to do things when they are saying defund it what they're really saying is is this the right way to do it when your complete education budget and medical budget and homelessness budget is less than the police budget is this the right way to take care of things when you empower people with more ammunitions rather than trainings on how to think about taking care of the communities when they're driving 30 miles to go police in a different community this is not the way to do things so the protest here would mean six must join 
physically. But remember, our seva is very clear in tan man tan that we have to also intellectually show up for the communities and we have to also show up with financially. And we can get into it more. But the first part is this, that physically showing up is a first step. I mean, this is like a game day. If you don't show up physically, and then secondly, if you don't show up mentally, you don't win. So first part is show up physically, uh, as many as you can. And then second part, which is what it takes to bring protest, to bring a change, is to show up mentally as well. So let's talk about six more. When I think about doing something and I can't make a decision, sometimes I invoke the guru and be like, you know, what would guru do in this situation? So is there a time where gurus have dealt, and I'm, I'm sure there are, when gurus have dealt and helped the downtrodden, helped the people that were facing all this injustice? Uh, maybe you could give an example of to what the guru did. Absolutely. I think the first thing is guru documents. Guru invites this conversation. Guru directly participates in uh, clearly articulating what is their stance. So when Guru Nanak Sahib says, just to reference part of a line, which is widely quoted by Sikhs, which essentially means that people who are below the level, which is below the level which you are even aware of, which essentially means people who are unrepresented, people who are underrepresented, the communities, the issues, when you side with them, when you stand with them, when you fight for their rights, this is where you experience the grace. This is very important because grace is a very classically religious term. And even in our community, people still invoke it. They think it will happen by doing certain uh, protocol or ritual practice. Well, here is Guru Nanak saying, you know, where will you see the grace operating? He says, you will see the grace operating when you do not stand with the establishment, when you stand with the people whose rights are being violated. And that's the articulation. Now, how did that articulation play out? Look at the history 1469 onwards. I mean, uh, within the community he lived in, this is what we talk about. What do you do in your homes? The communities he lived in, they did not like Muslims at the time. And look who his companion is. And that companion who came from a lower strata of community in terms of the caste system, you know? So this is why this is a class and race struggle combined from a sick angle, right? So second, we, have, we can look at other examples. So the quote-unquote so-called the low caste or untouchables in Indian tradition, they became part of the Khalsa. They became part of the people who fought with the gurus. The ones who were told they don't have right to bear arms, to borrow the American terminology right now, they actually bore arms and fought the battles as well. Which means if there is external battle to be fought, Guru did not say that will only be fought by a particular caste of six or particular class of six. We will just call them categories for now. No, every category participates who believes in this vision of oneness, this ikkuvankar. This culture of Nam was being produced and this culture of Nam had participation from female, which are underprivileged even today, but at the time of the Guru much more, from the categories of people who did not have their rights. And let me make it more blanket. You know, when the Khalsa comes into play, it includes all categories of people. When 100 years ago, Gyani Dit Singh is coming into to intellectually debate about the attacks on the Sikh nation. He comes from the lower strata of the community too. So the point is, 
when you look at in 1980s and 1990s, people at particular moment might participate from a particular category, but from a dictum, from the guru's companionships, from the ideas of six having leadership, which comes from different categories of people, it has always been there. So we don't have a choice. For six, social justice is inseparable part of our spirituality. And now the world talks about social justice and religions are having to adapt that into their dictums. But for us, from day one, its articulation existed and its allyship or partnership existed with people whose rights have been violated. So let's get practical now. We we have so many sick organizations. I'll talk about America and I guess Canada here. And COVID happened. No one's going to the Gurdwara. Gurdwara's are shut down. A lot of Sikhs are free. And I want to say there's a lot of uh, influential, wealthy Sikhs in America and Canada as well. So if we get practical, what what can we do? What can what would be ideally a good help for the movement itself for Sikhs to do um, in this case? Is it raising money? Is it uh, alone? Is it doing lungers? I'm sure people are doing lungers that uh, that I haven't seen, but I'm sure they are. What else? What what would be in your mind the ideal way that we could serve the Black Lives Matter movement beyond the protest? So we talked about that going to protest is part of it. That's physically showing up, using your might, the strength. And you invoke lungar. You know, even New York Times food section, uh, uh, I think it's Priya Krishna, did a story on it that... Uh, that Sikhs are basically nourishing everyone and by creating a new energy and providing a purpose in the, this turmoil in America. And, you know, I, I appreciate that that is being talked about, but at the same time, we are forgetting, even the Sikhs have forgotten this, that we will provide langar. There is no question about that. But remember the first langar we provided was of the Shabbat. Even in Guru Granth Sahib, first time the word langar comes is for Shabbat, which means are we using our wisdom to deliver a particular end? And to deliver that particular end, people need to be fed. Of course, we're going to provide physical nourishment. So we must not reduce ourselves to uh, become a PR or props either. That's one thing we need to understand because langar many a time becomes that. But I think when we are providing langar in crisis, when we are providing langar in protest, when we are providing kirtan in protest, I want to see that. That's what we used to do 100 years ago. Now we only do it at interfaith meetings. No. You know, our best ragis used to show up at the morchas. You know, now our best ragis only show up to higher class or higher caste status people. That's the kind of stuff we need to break and revive, which is where we used to be. So I would say uh, when the, when the, when the Shabbat's langar is being talked about, we need to show up there as well and fight for accesses for the black communities at large and by extension, the brown communities and the indigenous communities have been going through. And then the third part, which essentially is the money part you were talking about. Look, money, the dictum is very clear in Gurmani. Firstly, it says that what you ethically earn, you share. So we are being asked to earn ethically because there are many who unethically earn and they will give money because this is the new philanthropy as we used to call them, right? So ethically earn and share and then share with who? Even that part is very clear. You know, you do things for Sarabad Dapala, which everyone understands, or Pantkijit, which most people don't understand these days. Pantkijit means establishing institutions of the Sikhs, which will fight for these things. And then uh, Guru 
they say garib the mujda guru di golaka which essentially means wherever there are downtrodden people whose rights are being violated when you fund those things you're also giving to the guru so look those are the three things but i want to primarily remind again you can your physical strength which is the tandi seva and your monetary strength which is tandi seva they will become much more beneficial if we are mandi seva is being done right if our intent is working our intellect is working to create lasting solutions then our money as well as our strength physical strength they will be utilized for the highest changes which we are fighting towards which is the original purpose of a morcha or a movement you know i do want to uh, thank you for that and i do want to touch on one thing where people start um uh, labeling the movement as bad and uh, i wanted to get your thoughts on this is you know some of the damage that has happened to corporate stores some of the stuff has turned into riots and looting and you know there's some conspiracies behind it and if anyone knows me I'm a conspiracy theorist you know there could be who knows who comes in and messes things up and goes away and then you know um just disbands the whole movement and puts a stain on it and so I I I think I know the sick approach on looting and rioting but what do you say to that what are your thoughts on that on what's happening I mean I sympathize I know what why people do it but you know this is not the sick way I'm I'm thinking well what is a sick way let's start there and then before we judge to or come to conclusion rather judgments we will leave alone uh, we need to understand at least three four different elements to this so the first thing is you know nobody in their sane mind is going to say that these are the right things but and here is the first but do we know why they are doing it those who are doing it secondly do we know and understand the data which is being presented to us in terms of news coverage because even within last 3 days we have seen that the messaging which was created was actually and the trucks which are being brought in and including the guy who was a head of kkk in virginia rammed into somebody and shot somebody dead there are people who always take advantages of these things as well so first i'm saying let's understand the language of riot as it was being presented in 1968 as well when we quote dr king he also speaks about this that we must understand what is really being said here and nobody's and if we don't understand that then you will go after the symptom rather than treating what the problem is second understand the data because there is always people who get into the movements to give it a bad name some of them might be white supremacist some of them might be anarchist some of them might actually be looters but those cannot take over the conversation about the police bro- police brutality because that's what it was about whether it was brought into nfl 4 years ago or whether it is coming to light when even george bush is talking about this and when colin powell is also talking about it and the third piece is even if some elements of those are emotional or we will call it human responses we must understand that as well so this is not about that few people took tvs or few people destroyed the cvs stores that's not what this is about okay this is where uh this is where i like to say when we are studying for example holocaust or when we are talking about 1984 we know there were people who did all sorts of other things but we must keep the focus on what state and its machinery is doing we cannot go by a group of few people who are talking about certain things 
So what a state machinery does, what states agencies do, what a state's administrations are doing, that really is what needs to change. And the responses will ultimately change as well, including the ones where you see some of the writing. I want to talk about another stain that's happening is George Floyd. And I didn't really think of it until my friend, uh, one of my best friends actually, was sending me uh, some meme or something. And he was like, you know, George Floyd was caught on robbery and he was in prison and he was on meth or whatever it is. You know, and I'm like, you know, these are all facts. And I'm like, okay, that, that may be true. But then it was a meme and saying it's like, oh, he could have killed before. It was like, it's not a good thing that the police killed him. But, you know, he was committing all these crimes anyway. So I thought of it and I'm like, then this might be a bigger conversation, but I want you to touch upon it. I'm like, yeah, but let's talk about the systematic racism and injustice that's been happening that led him to do all these things. So my friend happens to be Indian and I'm like, why don't you just replace George Floyd with like Dalit, right? And then all these systematic things that would be happening to you, what would you do in your life, you know? And so what do you say to that? What do you say to the systematic racism and injustice that everybody knows that's happening? Now it's out in the open that, you know, people of color do not get a fair shot. Spike Lee, it's a great thing on Apple TV I was watching where his mom told him, he's like, you have to be 10 times better than the, than the white kid. He's like, that's how you're going to make it in life. So what do you say to that? And, you know, and basically the community at large. I mean, I, I grew up with that. I grew up that you have to work twice as hard just to get to the same level. So just touch on a little bit of white privilege and and and, and, the, and these things, because I don't want the podcast to get too long. Yeah, well, I want to touch upon both things. I think this is where I'm going to first say, including on George, look, you don't have all your facts. That's called selective facts. Why are you not listening to what happened to him when he was also producing rap music and what that rap music was about in Houston? And those have become hot items right now. Why are you not listening to the church where he started volunteering after what he went through? Because a person goes through his own conversions as well. You know, when we have been at the receiving end of violence, we become violent, we have traumas, and then we at some point have our own transformation, which he also went through, you know? I mean, look, ask her what the pastor is saying, what his current pastor is saying of their church. That's why the memorial is in Houston as well, because they do remember the grown big George where he was taking care of the kids and talking to the kids about what has to happen, right? Because he went through his own particular journey. So firstly, do not be selective in terms of telling facts if you're going to talk about facts. There is a journey of people we go through and we have transformations in our lives and we are product of our environments and our experiences, and so was George. That's the first piece. Second piece is white privilege is always there. I mean, we are still there. I think the most of the brown community, which is somewhat getting a little bit vocal about, must acknowledge that we have actually gained from that privilege. Yes, we have to work hard, but so is the general in Air Force who is openly talking about it right now. He might be the first um, air chief, I think, in this country, in America, he says, look, I I know that story too. That's half our story, that we all have to work harder, whether it's a woman, whether it is a black man, whether it's a brown man, whether it's an indigenous man, whether it's a queer community, queer community, any of those, right? You can keep adding to that list. That's just a reality. But some of us ride that privilege as well. Others are now acknowledging it. Others are actually once they get to certain places, do certain things. So they open up 
that gate a little bit more for other people as well. And we can learn this from the homosexual community, you know, where 20 years ago when they used to be ridiculed, they became really good in, in particular establishment realities, including in armed forces, including being amazing hosts on TVs. And now nobody even talks about those issues because they are accepted that these are normal people. This is a normal behavior. Earlier, it was a propaganda war. So that's what black community is going through. There is a lot of propaganda against them. We do not highlight enough of the, of the uh, makings of the black community in this country. And we also need to listen to the community itself where many voices are talking about uh, how actually the part of the black voices are still not part of the full conversation, which has to do with, you know, what is America to us? What is the history of blacks for the last 400 years? You know, in, from a sick perspective, we say, if you want to understand 1984, you have to understand 500 years. Well, the black community is saying, you have to understand the 400 years of blacks in, in America and what they went through, the, uh, not just the plantations, but also the violences in those plantations and the women voices of those violations and you know these plantations as well. So there and the slave trades, you know, all these things come into play. So I would say, uh, listening more to the community and varieties of their voices is important. And for uh, from the black community, we need to listen to them. And so, and at the same time, uh, do not be selective with what facts get cited. Understand the complete story, and knowing that conflicted people become big not just in their heights or weights, but they become big in the ideas as well. And thirdly, acknowledge your own privileges. And if you are in a position to change certain policies, get busy doing them. Harinder Singh, we could talk about this uh, all day. And I wanted to get your final thoughts on about the movement from your end, from the Sikh Research Institute's end. And I also want to uh, tell the listeners, I think uh, Inikar at the Institute wrote a great, great piece called Take a Knee with a Prayer. I think everyone should read that. It's on our Facebook. It's on the website. So it's a powerful read, in my opinion. But uh, I want to give, please share some final thoughts of, uh, you know, sick community, uh, sick research institute's perspective, your perspective, and a uh, way to move forward on this. So let's start with today's hukum. You know, today's hukum from Darbar Sahib is talking about because some people say this is tradition. And in the Black Lives Movement, uh, when the, <laughs> the white supremacists are using the flag from the South, they say this is a tradition. That's why I'm invoking this. So first thing I want to mention from Hukum today, I learned it says, burn away that custom. Burn away that custom which takes you away from your beloved. So if this country is to be founded and the reconstruction and the new deal has to be redone again, and it has to be love-based. And the love-based, which says, you know what? We're going to burn away those customs which are taking us from the love-based ideas. So what are the ideas we're going to build? The ideas we need to build, according to the hukum, is things which maintain our honors in the eyes of the true sovereign. And this country invokes God in their coins, although it's not original motto, but that's fine. We can work with it. So in the eyes of the sovereign, we need to make sure how do we maintain the honor, which means if this country is going to invoke God from a Judeo-Christian heritage angle, that's fine. But are you maintaining traditions to maintain honor there? Or are we maintaining traditions and not deconstructing and getting rid of those traditions which are actually founded uh, in divisiveness, in this case, race? So Institute is after 
we need to bring different voices from a sick perspective on this. So you mentioned there is a article already wrote, written by Inicor, uh, which is invoking how what to do in the interfaith meetings, which is also showing when there are civil disobedience movement, how Sikhs were doing and how Christian consciousness was looking at it at that level 100 years ago. So we that article came out. We have another podcast where we are talking about from educator's angle, you know, how does a black educator looks at these things? Today, we are talking about, you know, what do six really need to be thinking? So organizations, when they want to do something, they need to remember their mandate. If every organization starts doing everything and if every organization just start doing longer and everyone just starts doing, you fill in the blank, that's not the answer. Go back to your mandate. If you are a fundraising organization, raise the money and say, we did our homework. And we said of these 20 things available from Sikh perspective and Sikh American community's perspective, here are here is a legal organization you can fund. Here is, you know, and list it. List two, three explicit things that we support to fund these things, which will help Black Lives Movement uh, take their cause further. If your mandate is in civil rights, make your attorneys available. Provide the intellect to take care of those things. If you are an educational organization, you know, do conversations on this within the Sikh community. If you are an interfaith organization, this is the time to do interfaith walks and talks with people who are in the protest. You know, otherwise this, uh, we, we always do it posthumously. Six used to be the one when nobody would do the protest, when nobody would actually do the right thing, we would go to do it. So organizationally, I would say all Sikh organizations need to go back to their mandate and see how to best take that mandate and share that mandate with the black community of America right now. Thirdly, in my personal opinion, uh, look, you know, uh, you invoke this in my introduction. I took a year out and I worked with the faith leaders in 2011, uh, where we were working for Congress to establish a bipartisan commission on prison reform. What that simply meant was, can we ask the White House and the Congress to at least study this issue and, re and recommend some changes because there are problems. There are structural problems. The data has been clear. I mean, I became part of this at that time, spent a year on it. The data is undebatable. It is always the political will. So my take is we have two gurus who spent time in prison. We have other gurus who fought to get the prisoners released. Six have their own people as prisoners in Indian jails even right now and in American jails as part of the immigration issues. We have zero option not to work on this issue. I am so clear about this. If Gurnanak was not jailed because was a, he was a hard criminal, you ask now, what, what did gurus do? Here is direct answer on Gurnanak did. Gurnanak spent time in jail. Guru Hargobin Sahapatsha spent time in jail to free people from what we now call political prisoners of conscience, which means people who were working to change the policies of the state. They disagreed with the state because state discriminated directly and indirectly. And that's what gurus were after. So today, you know, if this is the watershed moment in American life, you know, in post 1960s to now in 2020s, we'll call it, this is time for us to give back to the community because everything the black community did we have been reaping benefits of. All our rights in this country exist because of them. Secondly, uh, 
if you cannot physically mentally and spiritually and intellectually and emotionally support these things then just stay quiet do not add to the voices which actually give ammunitions to people who want to maintain false or divisive traditions so if you want to be active be active as a say, agent of force as an agent of ekwankar as an agent of oneness otherwise as they say in america take the fifth Arindar Singh, unfortunately, we have run out of time, but it is always a pleasure talking to you. If anyone listening wants to read more of Harinder's thoughts, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at OneForce. Uh, Harinder Singh, again, thank you for spending some time with us and sharing your thoughts. Vaigrujika Khalsa, Vaigrujika Fateh. Guru Fateh. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute illuminating every path.